Good morning. So welcome. Happy Easter. We've never done this before. Easter 2017. (laughs) Have we? So today is a new day. Yeah. Awesome. So what I'm going to invite you to do is uh, ground yourself in this moment. And you may find it helpful to just notice your breath. The breath is one of the ways that we can consciously slow our hearts down by slowing our breath down. Breathing in through the nostrils, out through the mouth. The slower we release the breath through the mouth, the more everything slows down. Not a demand, just a suggestion. And as we slow down, we have an opportunity to listen at the depths of our being. And so I'm going to begin a song and then I'll move into an affirmative prayer on this Easter celebration of resurrection, of courage and wisdom, integrity and love. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very room in this very And so let's strike an agreement in this moment. And I invite you to allow my words to be your words, if appropriate. I recognize the one life, the one power, the one presence. That life is perfect. That life is spirit's life, God's life. And I claim that on behalf of each person in agreement with this idea that that life is my life now. Always has, always will be. And so as I breathe deeply in this moment and relax into this moment, I understand that there's something that's moving within me in a new and wonderful way. For this is a new day. This is a day of the progressive journey of my soul and my soul and spirit that is, that is conveying this physical body forward. That everything that has gone before that brought me to this moment is perfect in every way because it is divinely ordained and it is based on the subjective nature of my consciousness. And so the patterns that I see repeating in my life are a result of what I believe and sometimes a belief at depth that I'm not even aware of. And so the waking up 
The spiritual journey is making the unconscious conscious. May this day, this moment, as I welcome the next awareness that in some way, shape, or form aligns with freeing of my soul, the expansion of the presence of the, the Christed nature through me and as me and for me, that honoring that each person upon this planet has a unique gift to discover, to develop, and to share. And so what I know in this moment that my gift is most beautifully shared in a consciousness of love. And so this I can do today. I can find something to love. And that's enough. Each day, growing that love to make it simple and powerful. So I release these words knowing that this container that we call spiritual community is teeming with the smoke of spirit at the highest level possible. And so I give thanks, releasing these words and this, the consciousness upon the words, the consciousness that reflects all of my teachers through written, spoken, and through modeling behavior that aligns me with the highest ideal of possibility in my own heart, my own being, and my own soul. I give thanks. I release these words in that gratitude and appreciation, and together we say, and so it is. Amazing, amazing, you will do amazing things. Oh, so here we are at Easter Sunday, 2017, and I have a few, just a few slides today because I didn't want to, want to make things as simple and as clean and concise as possible. There's a picture that, uh, of, uh, of Jesus, and this picture is near and dear to me because it is a picture that was the favorite of um, um, Paramahansa Yogananda. And he had many visitations. Paramahansa was a, a modern-day saint for the most part. He had a, a mystical experience. He was the founder of the Self-Realization Fellowship, and Laura and I had an opportunity in our travels to visit his, uh, his, one of his, his centers in Los Angeles when we were there. Drove by it for 28 years, was too busy to stop in there because you know how life gets. And then I thought, wow, I have to fly thousands of miles to come back and experience what I ignored for 28 years. Almost every day I drove by that place. But just lovely. But it was one of his pictures that he said in terms of his experience with the Jesus consciousness that he best reflected what he thought was what his experience had been. And so the, the, the story of the Christ is really the foundational piece of what we represent as a, as a spiritual movement, whether you believe that or not. So there's a lot of stuff out in the popular culture about law of attraction and the secret and all those things, and, and all that stuff is, uh, is an out-picturing and a, an extension of what the core of what metaphysics teaches. But Dr. Holmes was very much influenced by the life of and the, the, the story of Jesus. So I want to touch a little bit on the history and then I'll go into some of what the, the metaphysical interpretation, some of the metaphor holds for us as a, as a movement. So what we know now is that, that Jesus was a Jew. Most people know that. Uh, in fact, that they know now from research and from the historical documentation that he never entered a Gentile town once to teach or to preach. He always was focusing on communicating with the Jews. He launched a movement, and it was influenced by John the Baptist, who was his cousin. And John the Baptist's ministry was the kingdom of God is at hand. 
So Jesus was mentored by John the Baptist and I think probably mentored by a number of other wonderful teachers. He was crucified as a bandit because he spoke in opposition to the Roman authority at the time. And that was commonplace. Thousands of people were crucified by the Romans. He was not unique in that. That was just the practice of the day. Uh, The town he was born in was Nazareth. Uh, it It consisted of about 100 families. There was no commerce. There was no temple. There was no, it was all mud and brick homes. His name, Jeshua, was the most common name of the time. And he had four brothers, Simon, Joseph, Judas, and James. Jesus led a movement for three years before it ended. And then his brother James came along, and he led the movement for 30 more years. And if you read the work of Reza Aslan, he he fleshes this out in the book Zealot. But uh, James was eventually put to death by the Roman authorities as well, along with Peter, one of the apostles. In Jesus' time, you were not allowed to be called a rabbi unless you were married. Isn't that interesting? You know, we always talk about the, the, you know, the Da Vinci Code, and was he married to Mary Magdalene and all that? Well, if he hadn't been married, we would hear about it. We'd know about it. It would have been extraordinary news. Something would have been wrong with this guy. Jesus had 12 apostles, those permitted to teach the teachings, and he had 72 disciples that traveled with him from village to village, and most of them were women. And uh, the most prominent was Mary, Mary of Magdala, which we've heard many stories about. He went off with John the Baptist and he studied, he, um, uh, which once again was repent, the kingdom of God is here. And the Lord's Prayer actually comes from John the Baptist. So that's a bit of the history of, of, of Jesus. And where I think it's, it's, it, it's wonderful that we have some of that information, what really inspired Ernest Holmes and many of the great metaphysical teachers that founded uh, a lot of the movements that whose we benefit by was that, that, and Ernest Holmes said this, and I think it lines up beautifully what the Fillmore's talked about in the unity movement as well, is that Jesus was not the great exception. He was a great example. As the human gives way to the divine in all people, They become the Christ. And so there's a Christed nature that lives within all of us. Jesus said, these things I have done, ye shall do, and even greater. And and so what a beautiful legacy that we stand upon because it's not as if we're not Christian. I would say that we are the mystical branch of Christianity in many ways. And the Christ is not a person. You'll hear people talk about Jesus Christ. Christed is a principle. The term Christ comes from the Greek, which means the anointed one. And he wasn't called the anointed one until the 4th century. That's when they got together in Constantinople. And then they took four of the 27 gospels that were available. And they decided, the powers that be decided, what would go into what we would call the New Testament. The principle revealed was the personification of the presence of God. The Christ is the personification of the presence of God. And so... The name Jesus Christ refers to something more than a historical person who lived 2,000 years ago. It is the name of the living spiritual principle that was demonstrated for humanity by a man that was named Jesus of Nazareth. So important, but it's so beautiful to understand that. We, we can work in our own journey to, to embody that and, and become more and more a part of our life. If we consider this for a moment, this whole idea of Jesus Christ, it's no different than, uh, you know, Archimedes' principle or Einstein's theory of relativity. It is named after the founder. So Einstein's theory of relativity is named after Einstein. 
And Jesus Christ is named after Jesus of Nazareth because he personified the presence of spirit in his life like never before. The principle was revealed as that presence of God. Jesus was an individualized person who embodied the universal presence of God as Christ. And Christ is the presence of God that became the person named Jesus. Well, one and the same. It was an unbroken connection. And this is what inspired Dr. Holmes and many of the great teachers that came before us whose, whose wisdom and experience and consciousness that we draft behind. So three things that I want to focus on today. Number one is a life of wisdom and integrity. Number two is a death and resurrection. What does that mean for all of us? And number three, the courage to love. And so what Jesus had, he had a, who knows how he showed up. And I don't know if all the things that are written about him are are, um, historically accurate. But what I do know is that things don't have to have actually happened to be true. And I think because of the impact that his life and what he gave birth to, um, it was so meaningful that it, it it has relevance today for so many people that connect to it. Because this Christed nature is the truth of all of our beings. It lives within all of us. It lies dormant for many, but it is always available. And so a life of courage and wisdom, Easter is a celebration and an acknowledgement of the necessary universal rite of passage called death and resurrection. In one way or another, all religions say you must die before you die. They are all speaking of dying to the false self, the egoic self that we all believe is so true about ourselves. And many people believe this is it. This is my life. This is how I'm defined. We take on beliefs about ourselves and opinions about others and all of the things, and we think that's reality. That's the totality of who we are. And there's something much more meaningful and impactful that, that lives within all of us. So when they are talking about death and resurrection, they're talking about the dying of the false self and the egoic self, And the egoic mind is not our friend. The egoic mind has a role to play, but it is not our friend. And when we understand that, I think it gives us a chance to really ask ourselves, you know, Byron Katie always says, who would I be without this belief? Whatever it may be. Who would I be without this belief? Because it's just a belief. It is, as Jesus said, it is done unto us as we believe. So what are you believing? I had uh, the Sadhguru come to my little church in Fillmore years ago. I don't know if you've been online, but he's all over the place now. Amazing guy, amazing consciousness. And he came in with his entourage. And it's just like my friend David Leonard said, it's like having Jesus come into your church. And he came in and, and just a remarkable work uh, this man did. But he was, a, he was in, you know, we talked about his journey of, of uh, enlightenment and awareness and what came alive within him. But all religions in one way or another say you must die before you die. But Sadhguru said... The problem you have is you're believing. You're suffering because of your believing. Your, your pain and your, your sorrow is because of... So stop believing. Easier said than done. Or find something different to believe in. So the egoic mind demands drama to feel alive. Anybody ever notice that? Yeah, anybody? The egoic mind demands drama. Some tension to feel alive. And the human gives way to the divine and all people they become... Christ. So our humanity, our drama, our biases, our beliefs give way to a, 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 a graciousness because as you move up the scale of consciousness, there's a peace that Jesus called the peace that passeth all understanding that's available. There's a, a beautiful song I'm going to uh, invite Mallory and the gang to come up and share with you. And it talks about 
our souls. Our soul, I've talked about it, and I'm very, very connected to this idea of soul presencing because the soul gets ignored. The egoic mind doesn't want anything to do with the soul. This is a song by Daniel Naimond called Get Ready, My Soul. So I'm diving in. Get ready, my soul. Get ready, my soul Oh, cause I'm diving in To the deepest kind of love To the sweetest kind of life Get ready, get ready Thank you, Mallory. So get ready, my soul, I'm diving in. Because it requires agreement. And we have a soul, we really do. And it is, it is within us and, and seeking expression. But we fall asleep in that false self, in the egoic self. So how do we, and, this is, and, and so it's, it's so uh, intrinsic and foundational for those of us on this path of spirituality. And we must have the experience. It's useless to talk about the very ground of your being, your true self, or your deepest soul until you have made real contact with the, this thing at least once. And Dr. Holmes said it, if you haven't had the experience, then you're just announcing. You're just, it's just lip service. Because once you've had the experience, then it informs you and you can speak to it and you live from it. And it's different for all of us. But what it requires is it requires dying to the old viewing platform of the mental ego and the false self and seeing ourselves and life in a new way. And so when our egoic mind is, is um, running and running and running all of it, it's impossible to make contact. That's why, we have spir- that's why we have spiritual practice. That's why meditation is so important. If you do make contact, you forever know that something is there that you can talk about, rely on, and deeply trust. You move from religion as merely belief to religion as a new kind of knowing. I mean, the world is full of people that that are entrenched in what they believe. Our group is the only group. Our way is the only way. And everyone else becomes the enemy. That is the worst form of religion. It is the worst possible way to express our, our spirituality, our religion on the planet. And and we have people in our movement that feel the same way at times. So how do we hold the space and understand that everyone is on their journey and allow people space to live in their egoic self but not support them in it, just realize that doesn't represent me. That's not what I stand for. I mean, that's what Jesus did in the times that he was on the planet. He kept teaching and teaching from this courage and from this wisdom and integrity because he knew what he was called to be and express upon the planet. Most souls are initially unsaved because they could not imagine that they could be one with God. 
That's a big task. I know that, that my mother was very devout in her practice, but for me to say to her, you know, you and God are one, that was too much. God was out there somewhere. That was comfortable for her. But for her to, to embody the experience and, and to accept that, even though I think she lived in that unconsciously. But for a lot of people, that's blasphemy. Your soul can know the soul. Only your soul can know the soul of other things, the soulfulness, because it's a language. The soul has a language. And you've heard me talk about it many times. Only a part can recognize the whole from which it came. But first, something within you, your true self, must be awakened. It's an awakening. And once the awakening happens, everything shifts and changes. Those who have not made contact with their souls will say that you're talking gibberish. You guys are crazy. What do you mean you and God are one? Out of your mind? God's up there somewhere, keeping track of all of us, judging us. They'll accuse you of being a heretic or wrong because you're speaking beyond their limited experience. Jesus said this in the Gospel of Luke. And I believe that it captures the essence. He said, he said, all will hate you because of me. All will hate you because of me. And what he was speaking about is because what he was modeling and what he was offering the world was a new way of being. That the Father and I are one. It is the, the Father within to do the work. And that, so that went contrary to the powers that be at the time and the, and the race consciousness. He also said in Luke, blessed are you when they hate you. But we don't even think of that. You know, it's, hey, you know, we've got this, this uh, religion and this God that is like a vending machine and I just give it an affirmative prayer and it delivers product to me, which is a very Western way of looking at the infinite. See, we're, our journey ultimately is not one of consumption, it is one of contribution. It's one of service. And yet, part of the journey is mastering the egoic self and developing in that and finding a place to stand in the world. And you notice that's usually the first part of life for all of us, finding a career, finding family, getting stabilized with certain things. And then all of a sudden you realize, wow, there should be more to this. Now, many people don't go down that path. Many people just want more and more and more and more and try to fill that empty space within them that can never be filled. Until we realize, wait a minute, maybe I'm not here to always consume. Maybe I'm here also to contribute. Jesus' entire life journey made it clear that the biggest heretics are very often the very ones running the show. You know, if you look at the, they just dropped the biggest non-nuclear bomb in the world, I don't know, last week. They're talking about how many people it killed. And, um, and yet, there are people in the, those positions that talk about being good Christians. And, and, and so there's a, there's a disconnect there. I'm not, you know, I, I'm observing it without, I don't, I don't want to um, slip into judgment and resentment and anger about it, but what I can say is that doesn't represent me. I think it's possible to have amazing, incredible visionary leadership. That when you sit down and you're having problems with whoever you're having problems with, let's try everything we can to, f- to find common ground. That's leadership. Having a conversation. But as long as we marginalize another group, it's very easy to just try and destroy them. Because they're not us, they're not our group. So we see it played out on the planet over and over and over again. What I can say about that, it doesn't represent me. And I don't stand for that. And I don't think it aligns with what Jesus was teaching and modeling. Because he never went there. He never went there. There are a few times he went into doubt. You know, Father, take this cup from my lips. I don't want to drink this. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't want to lose his life. 
You know, Yogananda in one of his little books says, where are our dearly departed loved ones? And in the book, he talks about Jesus extensively. He says, Jesus and the apostles all had incarnated many times to get to that point. What if, just theoretically, what if we're on this journey and this incarnation is one of thousands where we're giving birth to something that not only is setting us up for something beautiful in this, in this experience to serve and to give, but is also preparing us for the next incarnation? I don't know, maybe. If life's eternal and as Holmes said, an outward and upward spiral, he didn't teach reincarnation. He didn't say he didn't believe in it. But life is a continuum. And we find ourselves, and Yogananda says, if you're, if you're a negative and dark person, guess what? You leave this body, you end up hanging out with negative and dark people. In the other realm, oh, I see how this works, by right of consciousness. So the more healing that we can do here and lift that veil, despite what's going on, despite the people that hate us, hate you, and realize that's their stuff, not mine. That's their unhealed stuff, not mine. So it requires wisdom and integrity, as he modeled. If your religion does not transform your consciousness to one of compassion, it is more a part of the problem than any solution. That bears repeating. If your religion does not transform your consciousness to one of compassion, it is more a part of the problem than any solution. And that's available throughout tradition. We don't have the market cornered on that. In fact, we're, we're just like everybody else. We forget many times what's going on here. But some form of death has to take place within us. It can be psychological. I'm not good enough. How long are you going to let I'm not good enough? I don't deserve. I never get a break. Be the theme of your life. Because it's a very popular idea. It's called victim consciousness. I, fall, I slip into it myself at times. It's like, oh, I thought I was done with this. But it's a journey. It's a, it's a dance in and out and up and down. And when we understand that, and we start to catch ourselves more sooner rather than later. All of a sudden, we're not over there for months at a time. We're like, oh my gosh, that really feels lousy. I don't want to do that. Or it's spiritual, that God and I are separate. That's a huge leap in awareness and kindness. God's life is my life. Oh my gosh. How does God want this expressed right now? It's relational with other people. That the people that, that we, we see as, as our neighbors that tempt us not to love them, all of a sudden you realize, wow, that person came into my life to trigger me so that I had an opportunity to look at this deeply and transform it. Or physical, a physical challenge that we carry with us. You know, we trap the energy. We were in Mexico City with Joe Dispenza for three days and Joe did all this amazing meditation work of physically releasing the trapped energy in our bodies. It was amazing. Next Sunday, I'm going to share it at our uh, soul presencing. Phenomenal stuff. He, and he's, you know, he's up, to, he's, he's up there quoting Ernest Holmes. He's up there quoting Ernest Holmes brilliantly. There's 800 people in the room in rapt attention. And he's, and he's up there quoting Ernest Holmes saying, we are not punished for our sins, but by our sins. Like, hey, I got the science of my textbook in my bag. Joe knows what he's doing. And he says, ultimately, when we raise our vibration... See, when we raise our vibration, we start to, t- to, to dip into the, those realms of the divine. See, but it's a vibrational thing. It's an energy thing. And he does it scientifically. And he, he's measuring all this stuff now. It's like, Dr. Holmes would be sitting there with him, I think. Loving what he's teaching. 
because he's teaching the science of mind. He's just teaching it without people having to, you know, drink the Kool-Aid, I guess. I, but he's just he's teaching truth. So in one way or another, we have to loosen our ties to the small and separate false self. It's required. It's required. So when you find yourself, the great thing about waking up, about bringing, making the unconscious conscious, that's part of waking up. And you realize, wow, I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to fight that fight anymore. That's not mine to carry. I don't have to find somebody else to blame or shame anymore. Your true self is the part of you that is going to live forever and see truthfully. And your false self is a part of you that is constantly changing and eventually will die anyway. The false self is passing, it is tentative, and as the Hindus and the Buddhists say, it is empty. The false self is just empty. Mature religion helps us speed up this process of dying to the false self or at least fighting its clear demise. What the saints have done is that, and why they look so strange to us is because they realize that and they recognize it. So they're listening. They're doing the Daniel Neymar song, Get Ready, My Soul, I'm Diving In. It's what Mother Teresa did. It's what St. Francis did. I mean, they're the exception. I shouldn't say that. They weren't the exception. They're the example. Take that off the tape. They're not the exception. They're the example. But they are exceptional to us. How could St. Francis do that? So they live their life in agreement. See, because otherwise it happens on your deathbed. It happens when when it really starts to happen. I got a cousin that I grew up with. I just got uh, a word uh, yesterday from my brothers and sisters, and great guy. But he's been fighting a form of bone cancer for 13 years. And what's happened is over the last five years, he's gone from five foot 11 to f- uh, five foot five because his bones are not working anymore. There's something in the signaling. So the bone is not being rebuilt as fast as it's deteriorating. And he stopped eating because he wants to just accelerate. He doesn't want it. He's been doing this forever. And he's decided, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick the body. But what I know about it is, is I, that relationship doesn't change. I still love him. I'll love him forever. Just because he doesn't have a body doesn't mean I can't love him. But that's, that's the wisdom that Jesus talked about. See, the good has to, sometimes the good has to die so the great, the wonderful can show up. And he knew that. He knew his life was eternal. He knew that, that you can't destroy the truth of who and what I am. That was the integrity and the courage he modeled for us so beautifully love and part of the the false self the false self is a necessary warm up act for the ego part of you that establishes your separate identity we have to have it we're here to do that we don't have it wrong because we've done that it's just that that's that's only part of the story and so when we fall in love with the part of us that that is the false self we we don't have a chance to to embrace the whole it's good that we love something it's really important that we love something I mean, if you're not loving something, find something to love. Find, tell people when they're not loving, buy a plant. Start with a plant. Water it every few days. Keep it alive. Nurture something because it comes alive in us. There's a, there's a connection there. Pets are great ways too. There's a lot of pet owners here. I think we should do a pet blessing this year. We'll pick the day. Rhea, you pick a day and we'll do it. We'll, we'll bless all the pets. Well, anything smaller than a large cow. We don't want cows or camels coming in the door, but you know what I mean. But it's good that we love something. This gets us started until we realize that love lasts forever. Love lasts forever. Then go away. And it's the one thing that we can count on and forever are. It's what we are. But do you know that every time you choose to love, you also have to choose to die? 
That's the other part of it. See, this is part of the death and the resurrection. Every time we choose to love someone and give ourselves to someone, part of us, has, we have to give part of ourselves up. Part of us dies. I mean, that's just the way it works. Every time you truly love, you're letting go of yourself as an autonomous unit and have given yourself away to something or someone else, and that is not easily retrieved. It can be, because we're always a choice. We can extend our love, and then all of a sudden, the love doesn't come back to us the way we, and we, and we can pull it back. The other great thing that Jesus did, he didn't do it. He's on the cross. He's on the cross. He's, he's there, and he says, Father, forgive them. They, they don't know what they're doing. They don't get this. Oh, my God. That's love. He refused to hate. He refused to get angry. He refused to say, you guys, get my apostles and my disciples, and you, you, know, you get these people that have done this to me. No, he just said, you know what? I get this. It was too much. But he was so uh, in such integrity with what he stood for. He couldn't do anything but that, to be true to himself. To not, I mean, he could have run. He could have hit out. He could have, when he knew that there was trouble brewing, he knew what he was doing. He was challenging the powers that be. He could have gone hung out in the mountains. Said, ah, I'm not, that's not mine. But he knew that, that he would, to do that, he would lose his soul. He would lose his soul. And when we do things that compromise our soul, man, it's, it's awful. So he was true to that. So he didn't withdraw his love. The first moments of ecstatic release from imprisonment within yourself are wonderful when we love. They're they're the erotic and immensely life-giving. Eventually, when the expanded self wants to retreat back into itself, it realizes it is trapped in a much larger truth now, and it has a decision to make. So all of a sudden, we've expanded. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, man, I'm in this loving experience now. And then you realize that as part of who and what you are, and and, and there may be a tendency to want to pull it back, and we can do that. We can stop anytime. We've been given choice. But there's always that question now because we've understood a bigger idea. We've experienced the bigger uh, sense of that. We are either expanding or we'll die to our former small self and fold back into ourselves, which is the worst kind of dying because we know we've been there. From separation to unity, when we come out of the tomb of our ignorance and disbelief, how glorious shall be the dawn. That's what Dr. Holmes said. I have a couple of quotes by Dr. Holmes I wanted to share with you today. Once again, Jesus was not the great exception. He was the great example. And as a human gives way to the divine in all people, they become the Christ. It doesn't mean all at once. It doesn't mean we got it wrong because we're so far away from that right now, perhaps. It just simply means, how do I move? Dr. Holmes said this, for Christ to be found in us is to put off the old man with all the mistakes and doubts, which means forgiveness, and put on the new man who is always certain he is the beloved of the Father. You know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what happens here. It does, but it doesn't because we're always loved. We are always the sons and daughters of the beloved. So Dr. Holmes, in his beautiful chapter, chapter 22 in the textbook, writes about this extensively. It is the core of what we teach. It's really what inspired him. His whole life purpose was to embody the Christ and to live from that, and to teach from that, and to serve from that. He said, God is the infinite spirit, the limitless conscious life of the universe, the one infinite person within all people. The one indivisible whole. Oneness. 
He said, Jesus spent much of his time communing with his own soul, for it was through our inner thought that we contact God. Yogananda said it in a little booklet I was quoting you from. His prayer throughout his life was to say, God, 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 God. I read that. And so when I would start to pick up, my egoic small self would start to pick up things that I'm trying to figure out. I'd say, no, 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 no. God, God, God. And I would stay with it. I would just stay with it. It's so simple. God, God, God. Because it has to be welcomed. It has to be invited. When we come out of our tomb of ignorance and disbelief, how glorious shall be the dawn. That's what the, the gospel of Mark talks about. In Mark, he just, they go to the tomb, it's empty. The, the stone has been rolled across, or rolled away, and the tomb was open. There's no resolution. Really poor screenwriting as far as a movie, you know, but, uh, but, but because it allows us to make it our own story. Dr. Holmes said this, who would entertain the Christ must invite him. We have to welcome it. We, it needs an invitation. It does not have permission to go where it is not welcomed. Are you welcoming it? There's one life. That life is perfect. That life is God's life. That life is my life now. What if you spent a, a 10 minutes of each hour one day doing that, shifting and changing? I'm watching Joe Dispenza teach our stuff to 800 people, and he says it's amazing what's happening, the healings that are taking place. Amazing, remarkable, and it's exactly what we teach. Consciousness is consciousness. Well, Joseph just stripped it down to the science. He keeps saying, the reason I know these things is because we measure it. And he said, I get hundreds of letters now monthly to say you will not believe what happened. And so this is the work that I think is our opportunity. This is a wonderful thing. How do we embody more of this in our lives? Invite more of it into our lives. Because what Joe says and what Dr. Ernest Holmes says, it's in the how to use the principles, same thing. That when you embody the feeling tone and you're clear about what you want to experience and then you identify the feeling tones and work with that, it finds you. It finds you because you are a magnet for it. So why would you entertain any thought in opposition to the ideal that you long to experience? And when you're living from that, as Dr. Holmes says, when you embody the Christ, anything and everything is possible to be healed, to be healed and transformed. Who would entertain the Christ must invite him. He does not come unbidden, nor sit at any man's table as the unwelcome guest. Neither does the divine presence force itself upon any. He stands at the door and he knocks. We must open it if we are to receive. So it's Easter. You're going to, probably going to see family members today. You know, I think it was John Bradshaw once said, that if you think you've done any spiritual progress in your life, just go spend an hour with your family of origin and see how you're doing, you know. There's a lot of things that get triggered there. Like, but what if we, we go there as, the, as, as the, an ambassador of the Christ consciousness? We don't have to impress anybody. We don't have to say anything different. But to bless everything and to be a blessing. And despite what the conversations are, to realize, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, hmm, that triggers me. But you know what? What I know is true. God, 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 the divine presence. Continue to welcome silently, powerfully. Let's see what happens. People that you're, in tr you're having trouble with, you do that work silently on your own, it changes the relationship. It changes, it absolutely changes the relationship. Because you're different, you're changing. How do we, how do we deal with troublesome people? We change ourselves. It's the only thing we can do, change ourselves. So I have a wonderful song I want to share with you. Mallory, you've taken advantage of her today on, on Easter. She's such a blessing. We got Mallory on vocals and we got uh, 
uh, Leonard on drums, and we got Tom Gollop on bass, and we got Brett here who's playing, filling in today on Easter, so thank you for being with us. This is a song about welcoming. It's a, one of my favorites. It's by Rumi called Come, and Mallory and I are going to sing it to you, and we hope you can join in with us. And uh, it's such a great, great example of this opportunity that we always have, despite what we've done in the past. <clears throat> 